Hi, I'm Dr. Neil Barnard. Welcome to the exam room. Today we're going to talk about cholesterol. Did you know your body already produces all the cholesterol you need? You don't need any in your diet. You're better off without it. And in this episode, weight loss champion Chuck Carroll is going to be here with Dr. Steve Niebuhr from the Barnard Medical Center. And he'll tell you exactly how cholesterol is made, everything you need to know to be safe. You'll hear about all the risks associated with high cholesterol, including not just heart disease, not just strokes, but even erectile dysfunction related to cholesterol. Surprising. They'll also talk about the effectiveness of making some diet changes and the pluses and minuses of popular medications when it comes to lowering cholesterol. So here's Chuck. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you as always. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen. And while you're in the generous mood, be sure to hop on the Twitter and follow the show at PCRM. Then jump on Facebook, like the Physicians Committee. And as long as we're doing some plugs, as long as we're doing that, at Chuck Carroll WLC stands for weight loss champion. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Ton of stuff on there. Always going to get you motivated and educated. Today's show all about cholesterol. We get asked a lot about cholesterol. What is it? What's good cholesterol? What's bad cholesterol? What causes bad cholesterol to go into the blood system? How does it affect me? How does it get treated? On and on and on. Aside from fiber and protein, cholesterol is probably our most requested topic. So we're going to tackle that for almost a full hour today. And joining me for that entire hour is a man who is always in demand, uh, hasn't been on the show for a little while, but it's always great to welcome back. Dr. Stephen Niebuhr from the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Chuck. It uh, it is my pleasure. You are perhaps our most requested guest. No. Now, well, I mean, I don't know this to be fact, but I strongly <laughs> assume that in the listener community, they clamor for you. Really? Yeah. This well, is my opinion. I, I'm humbled and honored at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And you should be. Yeah. It is a privilege to be Thank here. Thank you. Uh, anyway, how have you been, man? It, it has been a while. Doing well. Everything's going pretty well. Trying to get outside when I can. Enjoy the weather a bit. Yeah, that's the beauty of summertime. You know, let me tell a a story real quick before (laughs) we get into cholesterol. Because I'm leaving the office Mm. last week. Yes. And I'm like, hey, do you want to do this show on cholesterol? I'm half a block away. Come back because you're leaving at the same time chat about it. That's what I was expecting. I was not expecting you to be carrying an electric skateboard, however. (laughs) Uh, This was quite impressive. Not just the electric skateboard, but the full-blown helmet that went with it. Well, you got to you got to protect the money maker here, right? I mean, you know, I don't want to smash my face in. I don't want I don't want to smash anything in, but, you know. So this thing, like you had a wire coming out of your backpack and you push it to go forward. No, no, no wire. No wire. It's like a like a handheld remote control thing. Uh-huh. And you, you squeeze a little trigger button on there and it moves the board forward and hopefully you with it. You, you know about the traffic around here. Is this like oh, just so you gosh. can zip through it? Well, not through it, around it, I like to uh-huh. say. But yeah, the, the traffic is a little crazy around here. It is. Um, there's been times when, when I've been on my bike, like bicycle not motorcycle but pedaling uh or even running and i've gone faster than the traffic around here and and so when i i came across these uh brand of electric skateboards i said you know what looks like it'd be pretty fun because i like i was telling you i I show up in the summertime sometimes pretty drenched in sweat yes when it's hot out i do i do bathe myself in in you know in the gym uh shower whatever i need to do yep um but with an electric skateboard, you don't quite have that exertion required that you would on a bike or running. No, and it's pretty fun. I gotta say, I could imagine so. Like I was so, I was really jealous. I was like, "Can I borrow <laughs> that to go to the metro?" Like, come on, yeah, man, yeah. that's no, that's I the best. It. Yeah, that it is. is the best. It, and you're, you, I mean, seriously, I think I saw something recently that said that in this area, the Washington D.C. area, uh, our traffic notably among the worst in the entire country people lose like 60 some odd hours if not more every year just sitting in traffic yeah it's crazy right it's that's a week and a half of of production that you're losing well i think of it so if you have to commute you might as well have fun doing it right right? so if there's any way to make it fun yeah do it so if it's your if you're doing carpool karaoke on the way down here Mm -hmm. and that's fun yeah more power to you right um but getting outside i mean i've been i've been riding my bike to work for uh, i don't know over a year now right um, and I think that's really fun. Sometimes I'll run to and from work right. and, and just being on a basically like a snowboard on the ground almost with sure. this electric skateboard sure. is just is just super fun. 
Um, anyway, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no problem, man. You know, I had a little adventure of my own. Nothing, nothing quite as cool as an electric skateboard, okay. but uh, had the opportunity to uh, go and see a noted vegan uh, pro wrestler Austin Aries recently. Okay. He was wrestling out in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. That's a suburb here of DC. Uh, great guy. He's going to be back, uh, actually doing some stuff with the Physicians Committee in September. Really excited about this. Awesome dude. Nice. Awesome dude. Uh, cool. Currently the uh, world champion for Impact Wrestling. So, uh, you know, had a big old belt around his waist. Impact Wrestling. Is impact that like wrestling. when you slam people really hard, that no, kind of impact? That, that's a promotion. Oh, so okay. if you're not in the – we can't nerd <laughs> out right, about right, wrestling right. on this podcast. But anyway, there are other promotions <laughs> outside of WWE. Okay. And, and he is the champion of, of one and, and oh, does quite well and uh, many others. But uh, really, I mean, just a, just a cool guy. Um, nice. And you'll get a chance to – uh, hear his story about you know what he does on the road as far as like keeping up with nutrition because those guys i mean back in the day wrestlers used to travel 350 days out of the year wow. now how in the world do you have a healthy diet traveling that much i imagine it's very difficult oh he's got that down to All a right. science i look forward to hearing about it so i wanted to bring you on because i just heard this this is a new uh study that was put out i saw this in harvard medical school it said uh title is inherited high cholesterol goes untreated and it says about four out of every 1,000 adults are born with a genetic predisposition to having abnormally high cholesterol yeah really not that big of a surprise there what is the bigger surprise is that the majority of them go untreated um matter of fact uh only half of mm-hmm. the people with that genetic marker are are receiving treatment yeah. as a physician i mean that's that's pretty alarming why why do you think that so few are seeking treatment for this well i, I don't know that i'd say they're not seeking treatment for it, I, I think they're they're just not being diagnosed with it because maybe they're not seeing their their doctors. Right. You know, um, you hear about this sometimes with conditions like type two diabetes or high blood pressure. These quote unquote silent killers. Mm-hmm. So conditions that you can have but not know about it. Right. Right. It's not like having a, a sore shoulder where you know your so- shoulder is sore. Uh, having high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high blood sugar. Uh, we generally don't feel those things. Right. Or at least not until it's too late. Right. Um, so. This doesn't really surprise me. Uh, we try to get a lot of people in to see their primary care doctors, whether it's myself or somebody else, just for general screening purposes. So cholesterol is one of those things we check sometimes yearly, sometimes more often, sometimes not. Uh, but generally, we check that on, on almost everybody, I would say, if not everyone. According to this, uh, yeah, the silent killer part rings true. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have familial hypercholesterolemia. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> 13 times more uh, at risk of having a heart attack compared to somebody yeah. without that genetic marker. Right. That's, that's significant. That is, absolutely. Since especially heart disease is the number one killer in America. So if your risk is even higher for this for something that's already number one, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> According to this, uh, anybody whose cholesterol level, uh, LDL, mm. is uh, 190 uh, or higher should be screened for yeah. the genetic marker. Yeah. Um, there are two different types of cholesterol, though. And I think that we need to get nerdy about this because yeah. people hear the terms good cholesterol and bad yeah. cholesterol. Bad cholesterol we've already identified as LDL. Right. What is good cholesterol? So, well, let me let me first blow your mind for just a second. Blow it. All right, here we go. There's only actually one type of cholesterol. There is there is only cholesterol. Okay. All right. It is neither good nor bad. Okay. It is both a blessing and a curse. Okay. Okay. Uh, what, when we say LDL and we say HDL, the the bad and the good cholesterols, respectively, uh, what we're actually talking about is the the transporters for the cholesterol. Mm. Okay. Okay. So. You need a minute to absorb that. <laughs> I mean, like my mind's blown, but yeah. that's what I love about this show, man. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of numb to the mind blowing stuff. So just right, bring right. it on. All right, all right, we'll do. So so when you eat something that has cholesterol in it, right, which is really only animal products, right, and I'll, I will get to that in just a second as to why that is. You're eating cholesterol. You're not eating good cholesterol. You're not eating bad cholesterol. You're just eating cholesterol, mm-hmm. right? But it's what happens inside your body that makes it the good or the bad. And even that, I feel like, is a little unfair to the cholesterol. Hmm. I don't know if anyone's ever said that in the no. history of the world before. No, so cholesterol's getting a bad rap? I mean, the only time I've ever seen anything <laughs> close to that is when there was, I think, a headline on Time magazine that said, butter is back. And I was like, well, I just Well, I'm not defending that. butter. No. 
and, I, and I'm, I'm not exactly defending cholesterol, but it does have its useful purposes in our bodies. Okay. We, we would die without cholesterol. If, okay. you, if you were somehow magically able to take all the cholesterol out of somebody's body, they would cease to live. Mm. They could not live without the cholesterol. So to say that it's bad is not really fair, right? Okay. But it's bad in certain places. Okay. Right? Such J- as? Well, such as when it builds up in the lining of your arteries. That's not a good thing. Correct. Right. Right. So you know, one it, it'd be like saying when you're when you're I don't know food is going down the drain in your sink or something you're cleaning off the dishes that that's the bad food that's right. going down the drain. It's not really. I mean, it, it was good food. It had its purpose, um, but over time, all that stuff you wash down the drain can build up mm-hmm. and can narrow the drain. Right. So in that case, it's not good. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a good analogy. You're always the king uh, of analogies, man. But so what the uh, what the what the good and the bad cholesterol really do in our bodies are has to do with whether the cholesterol is going to our body or it's going from our body. Mm. Now it's it's inside our body, right. so it's still it's still in us. Right. But the the bad cholesterol is kind of what uh, brings cholesterol to the rest of our bodies, ah. which again is not necessarily bad because we need it. But when it's too high. That's when it's a problem. Gotcha. And the good cholesterol is actually what takes the cholesterol away from our bodies, brings it back to our liver, and helps us get rid of it. Right. And it sounds weird to say the good cholesterol brings the cholesterol. But really more accurately, it's like it's like a taxi or a bus or something okay. like that. So the HDL and the good cholesterol are, are transporters. Okay. Like, like that movie, The Transporter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need a transporter. Yeah. Uh, so they bring it somewhere. It's, right. it's Most of the cholesterol in our bodies are um, is made in the liver. Mm-hmm. And so to get it into our cells, it has to kind of hop on a taxi or hop on a bus, get from the liver to the rest of the body where it can do what it needs to do. Right. All right. I I think you just keyed in on something that we actually produce cholesterol ourselves. That's something that I think often goes overlooked. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the process there? You said it it comes from the liver. Well, remember, too, I just said also we need it to live. If you took all the cholesterol out of my body, I I wouldn't be here anymore. Right, 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 right. I'd be here, but I wouldn't be uh, doing this right now. So you you need it in your body. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of it's made in the liver, but our our individual cells can actually make cholesterol as well. Mm. And and what it does is, this is is where it's kind of cool in a nerdy way, that one of the main purposes, and there's several, but one of the main ones is to actually go into the the lining around the cells. So what what in plants is called the cell wall. In 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 humans and animals it's called the cell membrane, but it actually goes in there and it and it, it makes it softer so that we can move around. Hmm. So plants are not really moving around so much. They're right. they're stiff. They have walls. Right. We have membranes that are actually soft and can move and that's why you and I are able to move right now. Our hearts are able to beat. Um, we can jump around and walk around and do everything we need to do. Um, it, it, it think of it. I'll give you another analogy. Okay. You know those like inflatable buoy things. Sometimes you see in I don't know with people swimming in lakes of or course. maybe just hanging out in lakes or something yeah, like yeah. that. And they're filled with air. Yeah. Now imagine the the, the lake freezes. Okay. Right. Let's say there's none of those buoys in there. The, the it's going to be a solid block of ice. Right? right. But now imagine you keep putting more and more of those buoys in there. The more you have in there, the, the more the ice is still going to be able to move around, right? Because sure. these things are soft, inflatable. And so the, the cholesterol kind of functions like that, actually. It goes into the lining around the cells, and it, it disturbs the regular pattern that's in there. And it actually makes it softer, in a sense. Huh. So Isn't that neat? That's the story of cholesterol. Yeah. That's it do- why we need it. It does other things as well. I mean, even in the lining of the cells, uh, it does help with transport, like helping to bring some things into the mm-hmm. cells or get things out of the cells. helps with signaling. Right. Uh, so communicating from one cell to another cell. Um, it actually helps in your in the neurons in your brain. Um, they're, they have a wrapping around them that's basically insulation, and cholesterol is a big part of that. So as a as – a, it's not. It's not really a fat, but as this like molecule that's similar to fat, it, it helps insulate the the neurons from touching each other, uh, from the the signals getting mixed up and right, confused right. when they're going from one neuron to another. So it actually does have a lot of useful purposes in the body. That's interesting. And one more big one. By all means. It is the it's it's the starter molecule for making hormones. So for making things like estrogen and testosterone. Uh, and a lot of the, you know, even even cortisol and things like that, it's the starting molecule that our bodies use to make those things, those hormones. See, you just hit me with three things I was unaware of. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Do we produce enough cholesterol that we don't have to consume it? Yeah. 
A- absolutely, because it's so vital for for life. Right. So, so we do. We have zero dietary requirement for cholesterol. Very interesting. You could you could eat not a drop of cholesterol for the rest of your life and do just fine. Mm-hmm. And then let me hit you with this one, sure. uh, Einstein. How is it? <laughs> how is it? <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. I mean, I would. I mean, I you blew so. my mind, all man. Right, right. You know, um, how is it then? If things are kind of similar, how can you discern HDL and LDL when you? take somebody's blood like how, how does that differ in the identification process it, so the the i don't know if we said what it stands for do we i don't think we no did. We, we did not okay but now would be a good time please drop me with that lab <laughs> okay so the, the it has to do with how dense the particles are or okay. the transporters so the hdl is high density and the l is lipoprotein mm-hmm. the ldl is low density lipoprotein and the 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 kind of where it gets cool, and this is why I love the science stuff and the biochemistry. The the LDL or, or um, low density lipoprotein or, or HDL, either one. The lipoprotein is actually lipo is fat, like lipid, right? right? And then protein. So, like I said before, the protein is is kind of the transporter. It's like right. the, like the bus or the whatever, however you want to think of it. Um, and wait, let me see where was I going with this? Hold on, give me a second. So the purpose of it is to transport it through the blood. Okay. Right. And the blood is is mostly water. This is again, where was he where is he going? But I'm going somewhere, I promise. Blood is mostly water. The cholesterol is more like fat. It's not fat, but if you think of it that way for a second, it kinda works. Fat doesn't easily flow through water. Right. They don't they don't mix, right? Yeah. Oil and water don't mix. So in order to get it to flow through the blood, you need a you need the transporter. Mm-hmm. Right? I keep thinking of the movie with you know, the, the transporters. There yeah, but so that that lipoprotein actually is what holds on to the cholesterol and transports it through the the water, or in this case, the blood. Now, how much cholesterol is packed in there is what differentiates the the low density from the high density. Mm-hmm. Cholesterol itself is very low density. Right. It's it's like it's like fat. Think of again the the oil floating on top of the water. That's because it's low density. If it was high density, it'd be heavy and it would sink. But so. Um, the low density tends to have a lot of cholesterol in it, whereas the high density it's more compact. There's less cholesterol in there, uh, and so there's a there's a difference there. And when they do the whatever they do in the laboratories, all the magic with the the machines there, they can differentiate between the high density and the low density uh, cholesterol molecules or wow. carriers. Wow! And actually, if you want another, I mean, just bring we just the keep science, going, dude. This is awesome. All right, so we don't we don't actually measure the LDL when we draw your blood and we check your lipid panel. We don't actually measure the the bad cholesterol. Right. What we measure is the total cholesterol, which is relatively easy to to measure. We measure the good cholesterol or the HDL. I, I want to stop using good cholesterol. Right. We measure the HDL and we measure the triglyceride content, which is the the actual fat that's in the blood. And there's a formula to to calculate or or to the total cholesterol is part HDL, part LDL, and it's one-third of the triglycerides. Mm-hmm. So if you know everything but one, in this case the LDL, you can just figure that out through algebra. How about that? So we don't bother calculating the LDL. Mm. Now where you run into problems with this is when people have very high triglyceride contents. And so if they have a lot of fat circulating through the blood, it's going to artificially raise the total cholesterol number. And above a certain point, we don't calculate the LDL anymore because it's just not going to be accurate. Sure. And then in that case, you would directly measure the LDL. Interesting. But, you, you know, if your triglycerides are that high, there's probably something not quite right going on. Yeah, Or some yeah. room for some improvement. Well, then it's a good, a good thing that yeah. they're at the doctor then, isn't it? Exactly. Because there are conditions that will do that. Yeah. But that's, that's a whole other show topic. Um, so... When we eat, as we've discussed at length on this mm-hmm. show, little to no cholesterol in a plant-based diet. Yeah. But when you eat meat and when you eat dairy, yeah. are you getting the cholesterol then that was naturally produced by that animal? Is that what you're taking that's in? That's absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, every every animal, everything that's walking around out in the world, whether it's a cow, chicken, turkey, pig, whatever, human, everything's got cholesterol in it. All right? Except for the plants, they don't have cholesterol in it. Right. They have they have molecules that are similar to cholesterol. Right. Uh, these like phytosterols, they call them. Which which there's a, there's some interesting research on them um, that they they kind of look like cholesterol and they might actually block the cholesterol receptors in our body. Mm-hmm. So kind of a neat neat thing there. Interesting. So let's uh, let's 
switch gears here a little <laughs> right, bit. Like, right. I feel like I just need a minute to yeah, absorb take, everything. Take that I mean, but I can't pause the show oh, because okay. then we'll lose listeners. Right, and right. We, just, we don't want that. No, no, that's true. No, they, I hope they, I didn't they, lose anybody with that. No, man. Okay. I think that, like, seriously, now I'm going to get those emails saying, bring on Dr. Steve. Okay, all right. I mean, that's just what's going to happen here. Um, we know that high cholesterol has been linked to chronic disease. The mm-hmm. big one is heart disease. Are yeah. there any others that, uh, that it's been tied to? Yeah, well, so when, when you get cholesterol in your body, when it's developing in your arteries, it's not just developing in your heart. It's developing literally everywhere that you have blood flow. Mm. And so some of the more, uh, or I should say maybe less thought of ones are in your brain. You get cholesterol buildup there. And remember, this is inside the arteries. This is in the blood vessels. This is not inside the cells where it's supposed to be. Right. This is in the blood vessels. So you can get some buildup in the brain, which if you're limiting blood flow to your brain. Is that like plaque? Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. So not a good thing, right? You want as much blood flow in your brain as you can get. Of course. Um, Another place is actually, and this is... uh, if you have little children listening, this might be a good time to pause it for I a sec. I can't imagine that little Timmy is listening to a podcast uh, on cholesterol. But, but it's common to see erectile dysfunction as an initial presentation of heart disease. Because in the penis, you need good blood flow to achieve uh, the perhaps, let's call it the desired result. Holy right? cow, now my mind is officially blown. <laughs> so if you can't get that blood flow that you need, you end up having erectile dysfunction. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. I mean, when you when you have an erection, you're basically opening the floodgates and flooding as much blood in there as you as you need to maintain what you need to maintain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, if you can't get that blood in there because of you know narrowed arteries, it, you're not going to have the desired result. Wow. And that's why the plant based diet. I mean, we haven't touched on that too much on this show. I think this actually may be a first. Um, that's why the plant-based diet then helps with ED yeah. for that very reason. Yeah, helps with ED, helps with chest pain from heart disease, can yeah. help with blood flow in the brain. Um, and in fact, one of the, you know, when we when we see a young man, let's say somebody in uh, 40s or 30s or, or, you know, anywhere around there, um, or even 50s, whatever, coming in and, and they're, they're, they're saying, I'm basically healthy except I have this erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. issue. Uh, that's always a cause for concern. You say, well, that's not normal. That should be that should be working well. Right. And so we we'll, we'll check a lipid level and we'll investigate for causes for you know cholesterol buildup, basically. Interesting. Uh, what about uh, the arteries, man? I mean, because that one is is often talked about. Typically, if we're talking about high cholesterol and plaque deposits and mm-hmm. things like that, you always see the graphic that's you know the arteries going right to the heart. Yeah. How long does it take for somebody that? does have a lot of cholesterol on their diet. How long does it take for that plaque to kind of build up there and really start to cause some serious issues? It, it, well, it doesn't take long. There's been studies over the years showing um, buildup in, in even teenagers. Uh, there was a study done on, on um, soldiers who died in Vietnam, and they had, uh, I think it was like a third of them had significant buildup of plaque in their arteries, mm. not to the point where they were having chest pain, but it was still there when they did autopsy. Uh, And then within the last few years, I heard of a study where they they somehow used ultrasound to look at uh, fetuses. So, you know, babies that aren't even born yet inside the mother. And if the mother's eating a a high fat, high cholesterol diet, they could see microscopic buildup of of cholesterol inside the baby. I mean, you're talking like one or two cells thick. So not not clinically significant, but still there. Yeah. Wow. Because, I mean, the mother's blood and the baby's blood are, are basically flowing at the same time. You get crossover between the mother and the baby through the placenta, and cholesterol can certainly go through there. Anything other than uh, heart disease there as far as cholesterol the, the being nefarious? One? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can get you can get gallstones from uh, higher cholesterol levels. Um, cholesterol is actually secreted out of the liver into the GI tract. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, cholesterol is a component of bile. And so when you have too much cholesterol, the, the bile can become too concentrated. You can end up with gallstones, having to get your gallbladder removed. So we see that sometimes in people that eat a very high-fat diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can aggravate the gallbladder. And if you already have stones in there, you can end up having to get your gallbladder removed. Interesting. Uh, but the cholesterol really goes it goes all over the place. Um, circle back to heart disease. Mm-hmm. Um, We've heard, especially working here at the Physicians Committee, where people will reverse their heart disease yeah. on this plant-based diet. Yeah. I'm assuming that, just talking to you for this past half hour, a lot of that has to do with the lower cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. How long does it take then for those deposits, that plaque buildup, to kind of work its way out of the system once you stop ingesting that excess cholesterol? 
it, it can take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Sure. But typically people feel better even within a few weeks. So if I see somebody who maybe has some chest discomfort when they're exercising, just let's say mild, because if it was severe, they'd probably be in the hospital. Yeah. But, you know, they say, I, I do fine with exercise, but if I really push myself, my chest gets a little tight, maybe it gets a little hard to breathe. And I'm not talking about asthma. I'm talking about cardiac right. blood flow. Right, right. Um, generally, if they really go 100% on a, on a plant-based diet, they cut out all the animal products, uh, they cut out processed foods and stuff like that. Um, even within a few weeks, sometimes people say they feel better. Now, that's not to say that the cholesterol is being removed within a few weeks, uh, but they're getting better blood flow, obviously. Right, right. That's why they're not having the symptoms. But it can take a couple, sometimes a couple years sure. for to have, uh, let's say, radiologically significant decrease in plaque. Meaning if you were to go in and do an angiogram, you know, where you're going through the groin or, or more commonly now through the wrist, you can actually measure how much plaque is in the arteries. Huh. And so to see that regress or to see those arteries open up, uh, the, the studies that have been done are typically over the time period of a couple of years. Wow. And they'll see some opening there. You know, I really wish that I had one of those done. Oh, my um, goodness. Just to measure it when I was, you know, <laughs> at my heaviest of 420 pounds versus yeah. today. I mean, when you checked my cholesterol earlier this year yeah. when we did the uh, the uh, gastric bypass show or the weight loss surgery show. Right. Um, you were really impressed by it, and it wouldn't have been that way even like two years ago when I was still eating meat and dairy. Sure. I'm, I'm just really curious about like, is there still gunk built up in there? Yeah. Because I'm, I mean, I straight abused my body for more than a quarter century. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was major abuse. Well, generally, you know, generally we don't really check that. And, and the reason is because we, we're not going to tell people to do something different. You know, right. if you're feeling fine, if you're saying, you know, I'm walking upstairs, I'm exercising, I'm doing fine. It, in a sense, and, and don't, this is going to sound out of context, but it doesn't really matter how much plaque is in there because you're able to function, do everything you normally do. And the, the, the advice that I'm going to give you is going to be exactly the same. So whether you have, let's say, 50% narrowing or 10% narrowing or zero narrowing, right. I'm still going to tell you, eat a plant-based diet. Don't consume any extra cholesterol uh, and exercise regularly. You know, Now, if you're having so much narrowing that you're getting heart problems, like you're getting chest pain, trouble breathing, stuff like that, then it's significant. Mm. But if you're not having any of those, it, the, the message is still the same. It's you got to eat better. You got to cut out anything with cholesterol in it. You got to cut out the processed foods. You got to cut out the high fat foods. Right. So, so that's why we don't generally check to see like, oh, do you have, you know, 10% narrowing, 20%? No. Right? That's just a thought. High cholesterol, if they're not adjusting their diet, you turn on the TV, you're always yeah. seeing advertisements for different medications. Yeah. And the big one for cholesterol, I believe, is statins. Statins, you got it. Yeah. What, what are they? So the, the technical term is HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors, mm -hmm. uh, which in the, in the body, when you make your own cholesterol, as, as we've said several times already today, the, the enzyme that catalyzes or, or, or does the first step in the reaction is this HMG-CoA reductase, which HMG is a really, really long term, which I don't even have committed to memory, to be honest, in full disclosure here. Won't but, hold that against But you're you. welcome to look it up. Uh, and, and so the statins actually block that enzyme from working. So in a sense, what they're doing is, tell, is, is having your body make less cholesterol. Hmm. How effective are they compared to a diet adjustment? Uh, that's 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 a question that does not have a uh, does not have a simple answer. Gotcha. So they are effective. Statins are definitely effective. There's been numerous studies over the years showing improved mortality with statins, uh, fewer heart attacks, fewer strokes. Um, but but similar studies have been done on diet, and we can see that if you change around your diet from the standard American diet to the plant-based diet, your risk for heart attack, your risk for stroke also goes down. Um, a lot of times. Perhaps cardiologists or even primary care doctors will tell people to do both. Um, so what we see a lot is people go into their doctor. They'll have high cholesterol. The doctor will say, well, you got to eat better. you got to exercise. And also, here's your statin. Right. But what we try to do here, at, at least at Barnard Medical Center, and I know a lot of doctors across the country are trying to do it as well, is really tell people what it means to eat better. So a lot of times people will say, well, my doctor told me to eat better, so I'm eating more chicken. Right. Mm. It doesn't really do it. Right. Still got high fat, it's still got cholesterol in it, you know, or, oh, I'm putting olive oil all over everything. Well, that's that's high in fat. Um, fat is actually works as a precursor to cholesterol, so right. not a great idea either. Uh, it helps, or oil can, we've talked about oil, I think, several times on the show, perhaps, already. Uh, oil in, increases inflammation in your body, so... 
you know, the question of what does it mean to actually eat better is is perhaps somewhat elusive right. for people. Right. So to really stop and, and talk to them about it, one, it takes time, but but two, it's really beneficial for the person. So right. we try to do it here as, as much as we possibly can. So it seems to me then that one could say that the statin is kind of just treating a symptom, whereas the diet would be treating the root cause because with that, not just the cholesterol is going to come down. I mean, you're lowering your risk of diabetes, yeah, yeah. you're lowering your risk of heart disease, like right. so many right. things, lowering your risk of cancer. Right. So therefore, it's it's a root cause. Yeah, you're you're in effect changing a number. Correct. You know, it does it does have some benefit. It, you you will likely live longer with it than without it without making any other changes. So mm-hmm. keeping everything else constant, you'll do better taking it than you would not taking it. Right. There are some side effects to them, so they're not totally harmless. Um, most most people do well with them. Most patients I see who are taking them are not experiencing at least significant side effects. Mm. But yeah, if you can if you can make those changes through diet, there's there's no real side effects through diet. Right. You know, right. if you're eating better, you're going to feel better. You're not going to have you know, I don't know, muscle aches or anything right, like right. that. I know that when people adjust uh, to the plant-based diet, if they're on blood pressure medication, mm-hmm. that's something that's really closely monitored because yep. if your blood pressure is coming down naturally and you're also taking blood pressure medication, I mean, you're kind of going to feel funny. You're going to be in a hard way. Yeah. Is it similar then with the statins? Do you run a risk of like kind of bottoming out there as well? Uh, no, that, that's a good point you bring up though. There, there's not... In the studies that they've done on on different cholesterol medications, there hasn't really been shown to be a number that's too low for the cholesterol mm. um, because your body makes its own cholesterol. Now, you are inhibiting one of the enzymes that helps make the cholesterol, but that mainly works in the liver. And like I had said really early on in the show, I think your individual cells can actually make their own cholesterol. Gotcha. So you can't, as far as I've as far as I've read, and as far as my understanding is, there's no number of cholesterol that's too low. And in some of the newer ones, they got they got the cholesterol numbers down to even close to zero. I mean, where your the amount of cholesterol in your blood is is essentially zero, or like like ten or something like that. Wow. You know, wow. and people did fine. There was no discernible adverse effects from that. Very interesting. Yeah, kind of neat, right? So it your is. cells are are prepared for that. You know, not in a not in evol- not in an evolutionary sense. You know, because yeah. we didn't have those medications. Yeah, for, right. right. <laughs> you know, Cro-Magnon man did not have statins. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's not the statins that get them that low. It's right. Other, it's there's uh, a couple other medications. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Eat your fiber. Exactly. Eat your fruits. Eat your vegetables. Exactly. Your grains and legumes. Exactly. It's a fun word to say. Yeah. Legumes. Legumes. Yeah. Or, or legumes. Legumes. So I go back and forth sometimes. Leggings. Leggings. Uh, yeah. Don't no. eat those. Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. The so what, last thing here, just real quick. Yeah. The cholesterol is recycled through your GI system, and so if you can grab something, or if something can grab onto it and get it out, you're, you're going to absorb less of it back into your body, and that should help lower the cholesterol a little bit as well. Fascinating. All right. So your prescription, plant-based diet? You got it. Healthy lifestyle? You got it. Cool. It like works. It, it uh, works. Man, that's like cholesterol 101. Matter of fact, that's more than 101. I feel like we went up to like 302, <laughs> 305. Yeah, this was uh... – this was kind of a heavy talk today. This this was the advanced course. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely smarter. Like I, I honestly did not realize that cholesterol was getting, you know, kind of a bum rap. It's yeah. just a matter of, you know, how much are you you're taking right. in. Look at that. You got a dinner topic for tonight. I do. I'm going to go home. Me and the wife. Jules. <laughs> we're talking go. cholesterol. There you go. All right. Cool. Dr. Stephen Ebor, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Again, you can follow him um, upstairs. Just make an appointment. Barnardmedical.org is the place to go to check that out if you're in the washington dc area if not just pick up the phone and call him say hi he's a nice guy you know one of the coolest things about working at the physicians committee is all of the science and the research that is conducted here always have stuff to talk about here on the exam room and we have another study that we're conducting we're actually looking for participants to take part in a rheumatoid arthritis study so i wanted to welcome back to the show dr hana kaliova and uh, our clinical research specialist and nurse melissa busta you guys are going to be able to tell us a little bit more about the study so welcome back to the program. Dr. Kaliova, I'm going to start with you. Uh, with this particular rheumatoid arthritis study, what is it that you're, you're looking for? We're looking uh, at the effect of a dietary change on uh, rheumatoid arthritis symptoms. That means pain and inflammation. Rheumatoid arthritis is, is an autoimmune disease, which affects about 1.5 million Americans. 
And uh, while medications may help in treating the symptoms, um, you also want to see how much a diet can do for you. If a dietary change may reduce your pain and inflammation in your joints. Interesting. Um, and Melissa, let me ask you this. What is the plan here of the study? So say somebody gets chosen, what are they going to go through? So it's a 36-week crossover period. So you're going to be randomized into one group or the other, one being a vegan group, the other being a supplement group. Um, then you're going to go through that for 16 weeks. You'll have a four-week washout period where you just go back to eating like the standard American like you used to, and then you'll switch over. Whatever group you used to be in, you'll switch over to the other one. And what about the, the actual study per se? Like, So they get in, they get qualified, they're in whichever group. Um, talk to me about who it is that they're going to be working with, what kind of education they're going to be getting. Yep. so whatever group you're in, you're always going to get assessments um, with a rheumatologist. You're going to get your lab results, a microbiome analysis, all for free. Um, you'll be getting one-on-one -on -one consultations with a registered dietitian. And then when you're in that vegan part of the study, you're going to be coming in for these weekly classes. So we'll take you on grocery shop tours, do cooking demonstrations, taste testings, just offer you that extra support so that you can get through this whole vegan diet and then an elimination period. Get through this whole vegan diet. Get through it. No, I actually I think that this is a, a fascinating study and um, one that I'm going to be particularly keeping an eye on because the the, the plant based diet just seems to do amazing things with with so many things. So a study on RA I think is is really kind of cool. Um, and honestly, I know a lot of people uh, in my life that that have this, you know. And um, so I'm sure that if people are hearing this, they know, hey, I've got a friend, I've got a family member that uh, that may benefit from being a part of this study. So um, who qualifies for this, Dr. Kaliova? Uh, if you're 18... If you are at least 18 years old and live in the D.C. area, and if you have been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis by your physician or rheumatologist, please give us a call at 855-STUDY-18, uh, 855-788-3918. Dr. Kaliova, Melissa, thank you guys for your time. Best of luck with the study. Thank you, Chef. Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here, and um, a very interesting and special guest is on the line with me right now. Her name, Karen Stoichoff-Inman, and she is just an incredible success story. So, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chuck. I appreciate it. And before we even get going, I must wish you a happy first veganversary, a heck of an accomplishment. Thank you. It's uh, it's a very exciting time. I have a birthday coming up in a couple of days, but I've celebrated my vegan anniversary uh, with much more excitement than I will this this pending birthday. Did you get any presents? Uh, it, well, my birthday's not for a couple of days, so I have a little bit of time. But I think I've given myself the best present I possibly could with celebrating this year of whole food, plant based eating. There you go. There you go. Let's talk about that. Um, you sent me a link to your blog. This is kind of how we linked up. You sent me a link to your blog and told me a little bit about your story. And I absolutely loved the first line in that because it, it is just brilliant. You said, quote, I am genetically gifted. What exactly did you mean by that? What is that gift? My gift is I come from a long line of genetic uh, mutants when it comes to cholesterol. We overperform when it comes to total cholesterol counts. <laughs> so I can look back for parents, um, my sibling. Um, we all have, have uh, unnaturally high uh, total cholesterol counts. And it's, it's not something that you really want from a genetic gift standpoint, but it is a, a gift that I have and I've, I've learned to manage um, over the years. Now, you were very young when the doctors first kind of gave you a heads up that, indeed, you are genetically gifted and your cholesterol was higher than it should have been. Um, describe for me your reaction, if you will, when the doctors first told you, hey, Karen, you need to go on statins because this is just not good. Well, I came from uh, a 
I question everything. And so my first instinct was when, um, and that first blood draw was 21, um, when my internist came back and really sort of was incredulous and went back and forth and literally opened the chart, closed the chart, looked at me, opened the chart, closed the chart. Um, and I wasn't really sure what was happening until he said, I can't believe these are your numbers. This is this would be not numbers I would expect from somebody your age and you're within your weight range and everything else in between. Um, and that was the first time someone talked to me about a cholesterol lowering drug. And I just thought, I'm not doing that. I'm 21. This is ridiculous. And just sort of walked out and said, this was a fluke. It was something. Um, I was playing a lot of softball that summer. Um, softball always involves uh, pizza and beer after. Naturally. <laughs> so maybe it was just one of those one of those kind of things. And so I, I went on that every year after that, the blood results were quite comparable, um, some higher, some lower, but never uh, in the desirable range and certainly never in a range that I think my healthcare providers expected for somebody at my age. So you talk about kind of dismissing it and your story reminds me of when I was in high school. I think I was 15 at the time and I was probably close to 300 pounds and I go into the doctor's office and my blood pressure, not my cholesterol, but my blood pressure was 170 over probably 95 or somewhere in that range. And at 15, the doctor came in and told me, hey, we're going to put you on beta blockers to try to bring this down. Now, not only did I dismiss that, Karen, I got angry about it. Like, how in the world could this doctor possibly know what it is that they're talking about? I'm just 15 years old. The same way that you were right. saying, hey, I'm just 21. So uh, aside from just dismissing it, I'm curious, was there any bit of anger there, some frustration? No, I, you know, 21, the glory of being 21 is you just sort of dismiss things quickly and move on to the next thing. But as the years went on and I would move and I would have a new healthcare provider and the results would be the same or worse, that's when it starts to hit you a little bit more. And I, I had a, a pretty handy trick up my sleeve in that like most women, I have two healthcare providers that are part of my care team. I have my internist for the sniffles. Um, and then I have my OBGYN. Um, and so I would alternate years with blood tests. So mm. one year the internist would do it and one year my OBGYN would do it. And my, I would sort of play my providers against each other. My internists were always more of the um, disciplinarians when it came to cholesterol. And my OBGYN was always a little bit more chill. And so when my internist would say, oh, this is it, you know, this is the year, I'm not going to debate with you about this, because I assure you there were always debates, and I would go in with research, and I would, I would tackle them head on with some of the stuff they would try and say, I would just say, well, my OBGYN is on my side, and I would dismiss them. Over the past couple of years, as, as the calendar has turned, and I've gotten older and older, um, my OBGYN became a little bit more to the uh, disciplinarian side, and I thought, boy, once I lose my OBGYN, what am I going to do? I don't have anybody to play off each other. Um, and so the, the sort of the, the consternation came more as I got older, certainly not when I was younger. I, I think I was probably just too dumb. I mean, I was, I was a happy-go-lucky <laughs> 21-year-old. What did I care? <laughs> Oh man, it's it's funny the the things that we do to kind of try to trick ourselves that we're okay when there is a, a health related problem that we just don't want to deal with that we don't want to uh, tackle. You know, especially at twenty one or or at fifteen. You know, like you said, you, you kind of have this feeling of invincibility, and it sounds to me like absolutely you you had a lot of that happening there as well. I did, and. You know, it just didn't seem like anything that was going to impact me. What what could be more sort of in the back of your mind at that age than cholesterol? I mean, you just really don't understand what it is and didn't spend time. So as the years went on, I took it more and more upon myself to research it. Um, I started to, you know, ask my parents about what cholesterol was going on in their life. Um, you know, there were people in my family that you know, would have total cholesterol counts over 300. Um, and I just thought, boy, this is not something that seems like it's desirable. I would start to do research. I looked at different diets that were supposed to impact. Mind you, no medical professional ever said, here's what you can do with diet to 
intervene on your behalf. It was always just take the take the pill and run. Uh, and I'm just I, that just didn't seem like the first line of defense to do the medicine. Right. Now, also in your blog, you have a, a very interesting chapter in here called Becoming a Cholesterol Connoisseur. Um, I, I'm curious, that one also kind of tickled my fancy a little bit. And you, you talk about just kind of discovering cholesterol and, and doing some research and then, of course, all of your different diets in there. But for the benefit of the listeners who haven't yet read this blog, what did you mean by being a cholesterol connoisseur? I really decided because no one was giving me the information when I would go to the doctors, they would just say, oh, your cholesterol is high. You need to go on a cholesterol lowering drug. Um, sometimes there was a little bit of a conversation about, wow, you have really great HDL or your good cholesterol, uh, but you're, we're more, far more concerned with your bad cholesterol or the LDL. Um, and that always would give me a, a debate platform, right? Because I would say, well, if you normalize my HDL to that of the common man or woman walking around, and then you net, then you change my cholesterol, reduce that down to whatever the average person is walking with, then my cholesterol, my total cholesterol doesn't look that bad. I usually couldn't make a sale with that, but I tried valiantly um, with several uh, healthcare professionals. But because they weren't providing me with information, I started going on a, a journey to find information on my own and did a lot of going to the library, looking at different books, reading different books, reading different blog sites, talking to a lot of people about what their experience was, what worked with them, um, and then bought into a lot of different eating programs that promised results. But some of them just were not me. I'm a pretty low maintenance kind of person. And some of these interventions were just too much work. And I just didn't find for me um, that they would be sustainable. I just didn't think it would have a stickiness for me and that it would be something I would abandon pretty quick. Uh, and some of the things like, you know, the niacin uh, supplementation, I was like, oh, no, who wants that niacin flush? I'm not going to mess with any of that stuff. You know, you just kind of look at some of those things. And out of hand, I would say I'm not I just know I, I can't do it. Um, but then I um, started learning more, more about eating whole food plant-based, and I thought this has to be the easiest dietary intervention of all because it's all about addition. You're adding things to your plate to push out things that may not be serving you well. Um, and so that was, that was easy. So once I came across that last summer, it was an easy decision to give it a go. Now, as, as you're doing this research, I, I want to switch back to your family history a little bit. As you're doing this research, I, I know that you, the, the treatment that your parents underwent, that, that was kind of something that you were looking to avoid because there were some red flags there that, that really raised your concern, correct? Correct. Both my parents ended up with um, one of the less desirable side effects of the statins, um, and they got some of the muscle wasting, muscle weakness. <clears throat> my dad ended up rolling his biceps tendon, um, and my mother ended up with a pretty significant rotator cuff tear. And these were these were injuries that were not uh, chronic. They didn't have a history of that, nor were they acute, where like they were out doing something and all of a sudden. I mean, it's it's pretty tough to roll a biceps tendon where it, it basically just no longer function, and it it becomes like a a shade where it just literally rolls up your arm. Um, it, it takes a lot of work to do that. Um, and my dad was just sitting there one day and he was like, Oh, this hurts. And his bicep tendon was gone. Um, and both, both their doctors at that time said, this is probably a result of, um, you are uh, in the small percentage of people who have the negative uh, reaction to the, um, cholesterol lowering drugs. And I thought, I already carry their cholesterol, right? I'm already predisposed from that standpoint. It, it seems to be in my genetic makeup. I certainly don't want to end up with the same sort of muscle issues and tendon issues that they had because of that. Um, and I just thought, this is a, a no-go for me. Uh, I'll never, at, at that moment, between that and then some of the research on um, adult onset or type 2 diabetes as a result of taking a statin drug, I thought this is this is a no go for me. I, I'm not going to do it. I'd rather roll the dice in another way. 
Sure. And uh, also, as you're doing this research, uh, according to your blog, you were really kind of going through a, a hard time and, and you spent uh, a number of hours, as you say, just walking uh, around um, the suburbs of Chicago uh, with the 25 pound weight backpack. Um, and talk to me about what you were going through then and, and also how that played a role in you discovering the whole food plant based diet. You know, my father died in January of uh, 2017, and he actually died from, um, I'm sure the, the death report says something different, but in my heart, I believe he died from a combination of dementia and um, a perforated bowel. Certainly the perforated bowel was, was the deadly impact, but the dementia um, had reached a stage where he was living a great life. He was happy with my mom but he couldn't really cue into signals that you and I might pay attention to in our body. And so when his bowel perforated, he just didn't really know. And by the time it was discovered, it was just too late. Um, my mom, as a result, once I found out um, and started spending time with my mom, I realized that she too had dementia um, and I couldn't leave her to live on her own anymore. So I moved her up to Illinois um, to live with us. And the more time I really spent thinking about the cholesterol and the dementia, um, and I, at the same time, had a little bit of a tweaky knee and a tweaky hip that was going on, and I couldn't do my preferred workout, and I thought, I've got to do something. So I just threw on a 25-pound 25 pack, pack and just started walking. And I would just walk for hours at a time, and I would put on um, podcasts, and I would listen to you. you. You and I have spent a lot of time together. Well, thank um, you. As, as I walked. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Um, and uh, the more I learned about the links between um, eating meat and not eating um, a whole food plant-based diet and the impact that could have with dementia and certainly with the cholesterol, I thought I, I have to give this a go. I just have to give this a go. It's, it has to be something that that's better than what I'm doing right now. And it turned out that it was. So, yeah, I mean, you, you make this change. And talk to me about how, how was that change? Was it uh, kind of difficult for you to give up meat and to give up dairy, which especially with dairy, we know that that can be really addictive. Was, was that a difficult transition for you? I thought it was going to be a lot tougher than it was. And I am a milkshake girl. I love a, a chocolate <laughs> malt with extra malt more than than most and growing up I grew up in the restaurant business and my dad's day off was on Mondays and the big thing we would do is we would go to um, Saunders which was a local Detroit area um, chain and they had the best cream puff hot fudge sundaes and that was what my dad and I did so I've been an ice cream girl and a, a cream puff hot fudge girl all my life partly because that emotional attachment because that was my time with my dad um, and so I thought it would be tough to give up the ice cream but it really wasn't. Once I, I said, because I went into this with modest expectations, I wasn't sure it was going to work. I'd done so many other things in the past. And I thought, oh, it's 30 days. And I've, I've partaked in a lot of 30-day eating challenges in the past. Paleo eating is definitely always set up as go ahead and try it for 30 days. And so I just said, all right, it's 30 days. What's it going to hurt? If, best case scenario, I up my fiber intake. I get more green on my plate. I'll be good to go. At the end of 30 days, I can always go back. You can always go back to me. Um, but I started recognizing very quickly how much better I was feeling. Um, and then I thought, I'm going to get the blood test at the end of 30 days. And I thought, no, I'm going to give it another 30. So then I went at the end of 60 days and got my blood results. And they were pretty remarkable, even just in that 60 days. So at the end of that 60 days, I was like, I'm on. This is, this is it. I felt good. I was happy. I was able to navigate cooking for my family and cooking for myself. Um, I have two college-age kids. Um, my great joy is when I'm able to make a recipe that they don't realize they're eating and it's plant-based, <laughs> that they think there's meat in there, uh, that they're happy, that it tastes good. So, um, yeah, it, it really was one of those things that I set my mind to 30 days and I upped it to 60. And then at 60, I was like, I can do this. And I, I can't imagine going back. Now, at any point, were you on uh, the statins? Never. And I never had a, a total cholesterol under 200 in my entire adult life. 
right, well, that's good. You, you just threw out a number because that's exactly what I want to talk to uh, you about. Let, let's talk a little bit about those levels. You put the chart up on your blog, and we're going to link to this on uh, pcrm.org slash podcast. Um, but for the benefit of the listeners, go ahead and, and tell, tell me a little bit about that before and after. So my total cholesterol before going whole food plant-based was at 259, and that actually wasn't my highest cholesterol ever, but it was my most recent before I went whole food plant-based, and I thought that was the only fair sort of marker to go with the most recent. At 60 days, it dropped to 212, um, which is still a little bit higher than desirable, but certainly closer to 200. I I was sniffing 200 for the first time in my life, and I was very excited about that. And then at the year mark, it was down to 191, so below the desired 200. That's phenomenal. Let's let's talk about the LDL because I have this in front of me, and to me, this is perhaps the most impressive part of it. Tell us about the LDL. Yes. Let us celebrate. Yes, it was. I, I have to say, there was a little bit of a happy dance when I saw those numbers. No doubt. Uh, I started at 161. 60 days in, I was down to 112. And then a year, I'm just four four points shy of uh, the 100 mark, which is what they desire you to be under 100. So I'm at 104 a year later. There you go. Go ahead. Get yourself a pat on the back. That is phenomenal. Do a second happy dance right now. Put the phone down. Do a second happy dance. I'm just just shimmying in my chair right now. I love it. I absolutely love it. You, You really are... To be commended on that, and uh, you know, it, it's such a it's such a huge deal, and it's such an accomplishment. And for you to make this change to stick with it for thirty days, then sixty, and now you've adopted it for a year, and I believe for the rest of your life. I, I mean, this is this is really, as you said, perhaps the easiest prescription ever to kind of cure what ails you. It it really was, and. That's not to say there haven't been times where um, I've danced with a bag of bridge mix, which is another one of my uh, loves, that something would call to me and I would just say, okay, I'm going to get some bridge mix tonight. But now I've found, I haven't had ice cream, I will say that, and I definitely never had meat. But the there are times where I kind of go back and say, oh, well, I'll have a, um, a slice of cheese pizza. But I found that That's only happened maybe five times over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. And after the last time I had the pizza, which was a couple months ago, I was like, I just don't want it. It It doesn't taste good to me. I can't believe how much my palate has changed and what I find tasty. Um, and satisfying now compared to what I would find tasty and satisfying a year ago. It really is kind of surprising to me. Um, I feel like now, um, I've made a point. I sent my results to my doctor because I know they get them, but I don't know that they really understand how big this was. Right. I think they sort of look at it and say, Oh, okay, well everything's in range this time. Good. And file it away. So I made a point to write a handwritten note to my internist. And then I took a printed copy of my results to my interest because this was the year that my gynecologist took them. <laughs> um, and, but this will be the, this will be the last year I have to have that debate because from here on out, I know my results are going to be great. I won't have to worry about playing mommy and daddy with my doctors. Um, but I ran the copy over to my internist and just said, I just want you to, to recognize and gave him a copy of the chart and say, this is where I was. And this is, where I'm at today, and this is why. I 100% believe this is why I'm there. At the 60-day mark, because he had run the 60-day blood test, my internist was like, mm, yeah, let's run him in another 30 days. I, I really don't think this is anything. I think this is just sort of a, you know, it's kind of a fluke. And that was the word he used. And I, I looked at him and I said, it's no fluke. I've never been this close to 200 in my entire adult life ever since I've had a cholesterol test. Mm-hmm. It's not a fluke. Um, and so it's it's been interesting. I, I called my gynecologist. I've talked to the nurses that draw the blood at my gynec's office. And I said, I want you to know this is why my blood has changed. Out of all these years you guys have run my blood, the difference is because of eating a whole food plant-based diet. Um, and it was interesting because the one nurse said, boy, I wish I could do it. And I just looked her dead on and I said, you can. You absolutely can. And I'd be happy to help you. What what uh, has been the reaction of of your internist 
since those initial tests because, you know, he, he wanted to push it another 30 days. He said it was a fluke. But here we are a year later. Has has he kind of bought into this a little bit or, or is there still a little bit of, of skepticism there? I haven't had a chance to talk with him yet. I did send him a letter to summarize the results and let him know why I believed that was the results that, that came across. But I am going to follow up with him because I'm going to stick with it with him because I think that there's a little bit of a, I'm going to say there's more than a little bit. There's a need for medical professionals to be open to other options for people instead of just pushing the medicine immediately. If I got these results in 60 days and possibly in 30 days, I maybe add 18% to what I got since I dropped 18%, maybe I would have been at, you know, I don't know, 230, but I still would have dropped even in 30 days. They should give diet an option before they immediately push the cholesterol-lowering drugs. Most of these people are carrying such, are like me that have cholesterol that's genetically based. And so why wouldn't you just give it a try? I, I'm, that's going to be my big mantra with the, the medical professionals in my life. And I interact with a lot of them at work. And I'm just going to keep pushing on you need to become better informed and you need to give this a shot. I want to end with uh, this because also one of my favorite parts of, of this beautiful blog that you've written, it's the lessons you've learned from eating that plant-based diet. And there are some on here that are just a riot to me. Um, but l- let's start with the fiber because you say, and I think that anybody that, that eats this uh, plant-based diet, getting the recommended amount of fiber is, as you call it, it's a breeze. Without question, I can knock out 30 grams of fiber by lunchtime. Uh, it's, but I, I eat pretty non-traditionally. I don't think of breakfast in a traditional way. I might have spinach for breakfast. I might have kale for breakfast. I just don't, I think of food as fuel. Um, and so I don't really worry about what time of day I'm eating it. If it sounds good, um, I'll eat it at that time. But absolutely, fiber is, is a big thing. And I think I learned it from one of the guests on your blog, Chuck, about the idea of when people ask you, where do you get your protein? Are you worried about your protein? I immediately <laughs> respond with, where do you get your fiber? Right. That's a, that's a phenomenal point. And that is also one of one of the lessons that you've learned is that everybody, you don't even have to know them. Everybody will ask you about your protein. It's, it's just so hysterically funny to me. Um, the other one on here that, that kind of caught my eye is that you can hide cannelli beans, uh, cannellini beans, sorry, black-eyed peas and baby spinach and just about anything, which is 100% true. Yeah, I love it. And I love black-eyed peas because they're, they're tasteless, but they're a little bit starchier than some of the other beans, at least to my palate. Um, and so I'll, when I'm craving a little bit more of a starchy kind of thing, especially after a hard workout, black-eyed peas and just about anything really fluff it up, and I, I just love them. And I love them for their protein content. Now, you love you some chocolate shakes. There is a chocolate shake that I will make that is uh, the, the primary ingredient is black beans. It's a brownie shake, and it is so healthy, and it is really delicious. And I think that if you are a connoisseur of the chocolate shake, I think that you need this particular black bean brownie shake in your life oh i would love it i would love that recipe i will send it to you now the last one you mentioned workouts so i think that you know where i'm gonna go with this (laughs) what is the funniest lesson that you have learned since adopting this diet my sweat smells entirely different yes i do not smell like i've smelt for the greater portion of my life when I work out and I cannot fathom why but I don't know if it's chlorophyll I don't know if it's lack of meat hormones but I definitely do not smell like I used to smell (laughs) and I'm sure that your workout partners probably appreciate it yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) I know that that anybody trapped in a small car with me after a workout probably did for sure (laughs) All right. So uh, where can people find you? Um, You're up there in Arlington Heights, Illinois, but uh, you run a gym, correct? 
I do. I own um, Elite Athletic Development CrossFit Arlington Heights in Arlington Heights, Illinois. That's fantastic. And uh, like I said, we're going to link off to your blog. But Karen, it has been just a phenomenal treat uh, chatting with you. And again, congratulations on your anniversary and everything, the changes that have come with it, your positive attitude and your willingness to share your story today. I just cannot thank you enough. Well, thank you so much. And truly, thank you for the support over all those months when I was walking uh, with my pack and I was listening to you and I was listening to a lot of different books on tape. Um, But I look forward to to listening to the podcast every week. I learn something new every week. And um, it's been a it's when you make a, a huge change like what I made over the past year, you need a network of excellence, I like to call it, or a network of support, people that you can count on, people that share your values and your mindset, and you are part of my network of excellence. I know that when I listen to your podcast, I'm going to get something that's going to keep me on my path. I don't even know how to react to that other than to say thank you and that I'm humbled. That, that absolutely means the world to me. Thank you, Chuck. What an amazing program. You know, I was thinking, as Dr. Niebuhr was talking about erectile dysfunction, so many middle-aged guys go into the clinic, they say, Doc, there's something wrong with my uh, nature, and they get a little blue pill to take home. That doctor needs to realize they have not tackled that person's problem at all. That's a man who's got atherosclerosis, and not just in his private parts, but in the arteries to his brain, the arteries to his heart. He's at risk for heart attack or stroke. So uh, I think Dr. Niebuhr really gave the comprehensive approach. It's not just going to solve erectile dysfunction. It's going to really rejuvenate the health for, for so many people. If you've enjoyed this program, let me ask you to share it with other people. Let me ask you to subscribe on iTunes. Please give the show a five-star rating. And tune in again next time. I'm Dr. Neil Barnard. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.